Hallelujah. I'm, uh, I'm just motivated by the enthusiasm today. You are here to worship God. And uh, Pastor Rick was telling us in Family Huddle this morning that Advent calendar, today is Rejoice Day. And so you all rejoiced very well. You celebrated Advent well today. Amen? So hallelujah. You know, thank you uh, for your continued giving and offering in, the, in uh, just so you understand that part of your giving goes towards missions in this church. And Josh and Chelsea are our primary family that we support in missions. And uh, we have some exciting announcements about a new family that we're going to be introducing next month as new missionaries from our church. That's all I'm going to say. So stay tuned. You have to continue to come to church. If the rapture happens, don't worry about church. Just worry that you're still here. And... uh, think on these things, the Lord will give you wisdom. Amen? (laughs) Amen. It's been a great privilege to uh, be able to fast and pray on Wednesdays. You know, there's just something about settling into prayer. Man, we had a powerful prayer time on Wednesday. It was just awesome to uh, have people engaging online and, and zooming into prayer, as well as people praying present here and so I'm just, I'm really enjoying this time of just setting aside on Wednesdays uh, a season of fasting and prayer. So I want to encourage you, we got two more Wednesdays to go. It's not too late to jump in and join in on one of those Wednesdays. And again, even if you can't zoom in or if you can't show up here, just set something aside on that day and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying. We've been talking about the theme of stand. We've talked about standing for our government and, and really standing for our leaders and standing uh, against this uh, d- disease and against this pandemic, standing for truth, those kind of things that we're holding up the kingdom of God. Amen? And, uh, well, we're actually being held up by the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God can press in against these other kingdoms. Well, today I want to uh, kind of jump into uh, uh, going into kind of a new series uh, for Christmas, and um, He Shall Be Called will be our theme for Christmas for the next few weeks. And, you know, there's a great scripture that we're going to be looking at from Isaiah chapter 9. And if you have your Bible, you can start getting ready to move into that that trip, that that passage of scripture. Because I believe that that passage of scripture has something to say to us very, very profoundly today. You know, I don't know about you, but I think there's never been a clearer time in history when we need to have a clear vision of God. We need to know who God is. And uh, this week and next week, I'm going to be particularly preaching out of the book of Isaiah. This week, Isaiah 9, and next week, Isaiah 40. And uh, really talking about who this God is that we are serving. Today, I want to talk about the fact that he is the burden bearer. So the scripture we're going to look at was written some 2,700 years ago. And uh, 2,700 years ago, the nation of Israel was kind of a splintered nation. And what had happened was there was an attack of a a nation called the Assyrians came. And and if you don't recall at that time, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the the northern kingdom of Israel had had, uh, succumbed to the attack. And they had been splintered and scattered and exiled. And so now all that's left is Judah And it's into that moment in history that the prophet Isaiah begins to speak because Judah 
you know, they survived the attack of the Assyrians and they thought, well, everything's okay, we're going to be okay. And, uh, you know, the pressures of a new nation began to rise and the prophet Isaiah rises up and says, guys, it's time to get serious with God because you're, you're, you're going to face some challenges. And so we see this, this splintered nation kind of, uh, you know, God is speaking and, and he's not only talking about this impending kind of uh, judgment that's coming, but really why I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is probably my favorite, no, it's not probably, it is my favorite Old Testament prophetic book because it paints a picture of the goodness of God even in the midst of terribly difficult times. I just want to read one passage to you. This is what I'm preaching on, but right off, the, right off the hop, if you read the book of Isaiah, it begins to encourage you. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, and though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. And so we see these kind of passages all throughout the book of Isaiah encouraging us even in the midst of God's warnings and God saying, I'm with you in the midst of this. And that's really what begins to unfold in the book of Isaiah, this prophetic book, that one day God would dwell with his people. And no matter what they were going through, to understand that God was with them in the midst of whatever burdens they were facing, he was coming as the burden bearer. So let's journey through this passage in Isaiah chapter 9 and find out how we can shift and lay our burdens onto Christ and be free in them. Amen? So Father, we need you today. Holy Spirit, we need you today. Jesus, you came as the burden bearer. And I pray now that the eyes of our heart would be open, that we'd be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to know the hope that you have called us to, and to know the glorious inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you now, Lord, for those eyes that see and those ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Isaiah chapter 9 starts off like this, or in the second verse it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so this is a picture of a, of a people that were under darkness, even in Isaiah's time, some 2,700 years ago, as we talked about. And uh, what we're going to find out that in Christ's life, which was 700 years after this, Jesus still came into people that were living in darkness. And how many of you know, even 2,000 years after that, we can say there are still people living in darkness. But there's this incredible great light that is shining. We'll get to the light in a moment, but what is this darkness talking about? This darkness is talking about not just physical darkness, but it's talking about misery or death or ignorance or sorrow or wickedness, that things are dim and obscure. There was a lack of understanding and, and, and this, this, this heavy shadow. I mean, it's called a picture. You know, people are living under the shadow, the shadow of death. And, and you don't have to look far into our, into our society. Even now, you know, some 2,700 years after this scripture was written, that there is darkness in our world. 
You know, we, we live in a world that, that, you know, we see wickedness still. We see moral obscurity. We see a brokenness and a, a fracturedness in our nation today, probably more than we've ever have seen it in our world in our lifetime, where we're seeing great division within the hearts and lives of people. So it's into this, into this kind of darkness that a great light begins to shine. And, and so we need to understand that it doesn't take us long to figure out that there is physical darkness looming, looming over us. Isn't that true? That as mankind, you know, we kind of see this oppression of, of the, the fact that, that, you know, how many know that you are a physical being and that your days on earth are numbered? And, you know, if, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that you are, you only are here for a very short time. You know how many scriptures talk about that in the Bible, actually? And we forget this sometimes because we think that this is all there is. When we're living in darkness, we start to position our lives and live our lives like this is it. But the Bible says very differently. It says things like, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Psalm 39 says, oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life really is. And see, God looks at our lives, and he says, guys, you're living for the wrong thing. Your, 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 your minds are focused on something that is but a breath. It is but a, a little mere portion of all that I have for you is lived out in this moment of time. And so get your eyes up and start looking. But there's this overlooming shadow of death, and we understand that physical shadows reaching over us. But how many know we also live in a world where there is emotional shadow of death? All kinds of people are dealing with emotional issues and, and brokenness, and, and this has been the way it is, and this is the way we, we kind of understand that. Even the psalmist said, my soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then, of course, he lifts up his eyes and he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so even the psalmist, we could see that this, this shadow of the emotional death is kind of looming over. But how many know we could go down the list? We could talk about mentally. We could talk about socially. We could talk about racially. We could talk about so many things where the shadow of death is looming over mankind. And we need to understand that because this is where the message is spoken. You know, C.S. Lewis called it the Shadowlands. We live in the Shadowlands. <laughs> And so this shadow is constantly pushing, but the good news is, the good news is a great light. A great light has come. So understand, you're, 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 sitting, you're sitting back 2,700 years ago. The nation of Babylon is rising up. You're, you're fearing this oppression of government. You're fearing this oppression of government. Mm, sounds familiar. Anyway, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Think on these things, the Lord will give you wisdom. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, the, the great light begins to shine. And listen to what it says. It goes on in our verses in Isaiah 9. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice. <laughs> Funny, today's the day of rejoicing. Before you, as the people rejoice in the harvest... As men rejoice when dividing the plunder. 
So he's talking about this shadow looming over mankind, over top of people. But all of a sudden he switches gears and he says a great light has come and people now are rejoicing. Once they were hiding in darkness, once they were fearing, once they were cowering, now they're rejoicing. Rejoicing as in the day of harvest. Understand something that that, that, that is saying. You're talking about the entirety of an economy was based on agriculture. And so when they say the harvest is in, <laughs> when the work's been done, the seed's been sown, the weeds have been pulled, we've now gathered the harvest, now it's stored in the bins, we have food for the next year, we have provision, we bless people. This is a day of rejoicing, are you following me? And he's saying, guys, now the war is over. The war is over. Even, you know, even in the midst of the war, now we've won the war. Now we're splitting the plunder. How many know that's a day of rejoicing? And this is the day that we're talking about. You know, this is the day when, when Jesus comes or is being talked about coming some seven or eight hundred years before his coming. So why are they rejoicing? Well, we know now because we can look back and look forward as they had to look forward. 1 Corinthians 15 says, death has been swallowed up in victory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! So death is looming, death is looming, but the Bible says, Woo, where, oh, where is your power, death? Na, 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 boo, boo, death. That's what it says in the Greek, it's there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you following me, church? There's a victory that has been won because this great light has come. This great light has dawned. And so to a people who are living in darkness, living in oppression, the word of God comes to bring hope into this situation. The hope of the coming of the light of Christ. You say, good news, pastor. <laughs> Woo! I'm a Christian, and the light has come into my life, and I've received the light. But how many of you know, if we're really honest, we can say, I still struggle with a bit of darkness. I still struggle sometimes with emotional darkness. Whew, I still feel the physical darkness when I get up every morning and stretch, crack, 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 creak, creak, creak. <laughs> and it's not your house settling, it's your body. Amen. You see, it still feels like we're living in the shadowlands. And the truth is this, you are. <laughs> I hate to tell you that, but... Maybe you should know that so you know. Because actually the Bible says this. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 4. This is not going to be on your screen, but listen to what it says. But the lovers of God walk on the highway of light, and their, the, their way shines brighter and brighter until the bringing forth of the perfect day. Those who are the lovers of God are in a highway of light and they're living from light to light, from hope to hope, from peace to peace, from joy to joy, from purpose to purpose, from love to love. They're living and it's getting brighter and it's getting brighter. It's getting brighter until the full light of day and the full light of day is coming very soon, church. But understand, you're still walking in the shadowlands. 
You're still walking and, and, and it's still sometimes a bit dusky in areas of your life. There's still some darkness to overcome. Amen? And this is what we need to grasp and grapple with. Hallelujah. As we walk in the shadowlands. It said in our text, as in Midian's defeat, you have shadowed, shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppression. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Woo! He shatters the yoke that is across our back. Now hang on, I need to grab something. I'll be right back. Stay, stay where you are. If you're online, I'll be right back. I'm doing some carpentry work. Uh, and my brother laughs. I don't know why he's laughing. You're not getting your tools back now. <laughs> I don't need Costco or, or anything, Home Depot. My brother gave me the code to his garage, and he's got lots of great tools, so I just visit him. Amen? So understand something. What's the yoke? What is the yoke that is across the backs of the people? So in another scripture in Isaiah, which again I won't bring up on the screen, but you can listen, Isaiah 42 it says, it pleased the Lord for the sake of his righteousness to make his law great and glorious. See, the law of God, this incredible book in the Bible that gives us the law of God, you know, the Ten Commandments, those kind of things. The first two commandments are about my relationship with God. The next, uh, sorry, the first four commandments are about my relationship with God. The next six are about my relationship with people. So by the way, how many of you know uh, your relationship with people is really important to God if, the, if six of the commandments have to do with your relationship with people? But how many of you know we, we, there's this law, there's this measuring stick, and this is what happens. Listen to what it says. God's law is great. God's law is glorious. It's awesome. It tells us how to live life. But how many of you know we cannot live up to the law. We can't. We were never intended to. As a matter of fact, the, just think of the law as like the emergency brake for mankind. But there's a greater, a greater law that is given to us. But we'll get there in a moment. But what happens when we try to live up to the law? This is what Isaiah 42 goes on and says. But this is a people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits are hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say, send them back. You see, God's moral code is perfect. It's a perfect law. It's a beautiful law. It's an incredible law. But it was only meant to show us our absolute need of God, that we could not do this on our own. You see, mankind's attempt is constantly to reach God. We're trying so hard to, to reach God. But the problem with that is that we become plundered. 
Because we're trying it on our own strength, we're trying to do it on our own, we become plundered. And how many know people are living in that plundered kind of state? They've been robbed of the life of God. There's a loss of the fullness of the life of God that God wants. Are you following me? And and I think many people are living in pits. It doesn't take long to find somebody in your life, maybe this is you even, that there's habits, addictions, failed expectations. You know, there's all kinds of pits that people live in, and, and they slip in. And when you're, when you're on a slippery, in a slippery slope and you're dug into a pit, you know, it's so hard to get out. Ever felt that way? Ever felt that way in your life? Man, I'm in a pit right now. I'm in a pit of despair. I'm in a pit of brokenness. Whatever I'm going through, it's so hard to be reaching and getting out. And this is what God is saying in this text. Or sometimes we're locked in prisons. And, you know, that word despair or crippling, clip, crippling, crippling loneliness emotional or social disconnect how many of you know there's prisons and this is what the bible's telling you guys god's law is great god's law is glorious but when you tried to live up to it on your own or you ignored it it put you in a pit it put you in a prison It plundered your life. Do you understand? You can't just ignore the law of God. If you ignore the law of God, it's the same result. If you try to do it on your own, it's the same result. And so this is who we're speaking to. And God is saying, you know, this heavy yoke is upon people's backs right now. They're trying to be right with God. They're trying to carry it. And so 1 Corinthians 15, I think we have a picture that's going to come up here in a minute after this scripture. It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. So here we are. We're living up, trying to be right with God. I don't know if that picture comes up. Let's bring that one up now. Here's your life. (laughs) See, the Bible says that the law has been placed as a yoke upon mankind. And it's a heavy burden. Are you following me? It's a heavy burden. And, and if you think of it this way, you know, we're trying to bear up under this burden. We're trying to bear up under this load. And it, it, the pressure is enormous. And follow me, church. It's also a measuring stick. So you can see where you fall short. This is the worst part of it. It's measuring you all the time. Like, oh, no, no, you didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. And I think sometimes we feel like it's a rod that's punishing us. You know, do these things and you'll be blessed. Do these things and you're going to be cursed. And you understand the law is this heavy burden upon mankind. And it's actually highlighting the darkness, but it's meant to show us and point us to the light and to the hope of God. You see, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of reaching God, which is kind of our next picture. So there you are. God's trying to reach you with his strength. God's trying to reach you with his glory. God's trying to build a relationship with you. God's trying to make you whole. God's trying to give you a picture of his wonder and his awe. And you're reaching up, but there seems to be this thing that's blocking you. Have you ever felt the weight of the law? Amen? And we understand that. And so, we, you know, we go back to our text in Isaiah, and it says, you know, there's a problem because mankind is separated from God and this thing called the law, which is good and glorious, which is right, it, it, you know, they can't live up to it. They were never meant to live up to it. It was only meant for them to try and, and turn to God. But how many of you know we still try to live up to it? <laughs> we, 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 you know, or, or there's a whole bunch of people that just want to ignore it. How many of you know that happens too? Neither one of those things is good. So what did Jesus do? It said that the government shall be upon his 
shoulders. What is it talking about? It's talking about the law. That the thing that has kept us separated from God, Jesus Christ will come and remove that barricade. He will remove that thing that breaks your life. Let me read it to you. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed (laughs) the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross hallelujah church listen to me jesus the burden bearer takes the yoke of your sin upon himself that's what he did But he also took the thing that was pointing at your life. He took the thing that was pointing at you and showing you all that was wrong. He took that thing and he nailed it to the tree with him. And he took on the burden of the law and fulfilled what you and I could never fulfill. This is the story of Christmas, guys. It's the story of Easter. You see, Jesus on that cross, what did he say? It is finished. And what he did in that moment is he said it's paid in full. He shattered the yoke. (laughs) He shattered the yoke because he took it upon a cross. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did for you and for me. And he said, I won back your plundered inheritance. It's why you need to pray. Because, you know, you need to know the hope that I've called you to. And you need to know the glorious inheritance that is now yours in Christ Jesus. Because he's won it back. Hallelujah. He's reached down into the pit. The pit of your despair. The pit of your loneliness. The pit of your brokenness. And he's reached down and he says, I'm lifting you out. And by the way, he uses the church of Jesus Christ to lift others out of that pit. Amen. And he kicks open the prison doors. And he says, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the free life, enjoy the free air. Come on, he paid the price for you and for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, oh, thank God I'm free to do whatever I want. No, eh, hold on. Hold on. We'll put that cross down for a minute. I'm free to do whatever I want. No, you're not. Because guess what you did? You actually exchanged burdens. You took on a new yoke. This is the deal. See, Jesus said, you know, um, understand you are not yokeless now, but now you are yoked to me. That you're actually now in relationship with me. That which has kept you separated from me has been broken. That which has kept you away from God has been broken. 
on the cross of Christ, the burden bearer came and he bared the burden of the law and he broke it and he shattered the yoke, but he gave us a new yoke. It's the yoke of relationship. Amen? You see, we live in a world, listen to me church, we live in a world that is living autonomously. And the word autonomous means self-law. That's literally what the word means. Autonomos. Self-law. And we live in a self-law society. And what happens when everybody thinks that they're a law unto themselves and they can do whatever they want? Chaos. <laughs> Which leads to anarchy. Guess what anarchy's definition is? The absence or recognition of authority. And so we live in a society, in a world, there's autonomous, autonomous people that now are living in this chaos, and we're living in this understanding of anarchy, and oh God, help us. But Jesus takes the yoke upon himself and offers us a new yoke. It's the yoke of relationship. You see... Church, there's a group called the Pharisees that came along before Jesus, a few hundred years before Jesus came. And, and they were a group of people that really began to say, sorry, I'm going to just adjust this. There you go. They began to say, you can live up to the law. And so what they would do is they would invite people. Let me get my law stick back. They would invite people and say, they would say this word. They would literally stand on the streets, these guys, and they would say, who will yoke themselves to the law? And they'd be in the synagogue, they'd be in church, and like after the, after the you know, sermon was over, they would stand up, these Pharisees, these religious zealots, and they'd say, will someone be yoked to the law of God? Will you bear the burden? And these guys were extreme. Guys, they invented like 500 more laws to put around the law, like the law wasn't enough. They invented a thing called the fence laws, and so they, they come up with like this is crazy, 365 prohibitions and 250 requirements or commandments. Can you imagine? Jesus said, you know, you, you travel around the world to win a single convert and then you make them twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. So they stand up, every, they're standing up and they're constantly saying, be yoked to the law but understand there's no life in the law. The law is meant to point you to your need of a savior. That's it. That's all the law is meant to do. Listen to this quote by a guy named Dwight Pentecost. When the law was imposed on humans, it did not bring liberty. It brought bondage. Rather than freedom, it brought oppression. Instead of a sense of release, it brought a sense of guilt and failure. The Pharisees made no effort to bring freedom and liberty. In fact, their system imposed heavier burdens upon people. And so here we are. <laughs> Jesus is there, everyone's there. You see these religious zealots and they're standing up in the synagogue, they're standing up in the church, they're standing on the street corners. Who will be yoked to the law? Who will be yoked to the law? And guess what Jesus says? Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you. Hallelujah. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because the law has been exchanged for the cross. But all of us still have to be yoked to Christ. We have to bear that burden. He says things like, take up your cross now. Take up your cross now. And wear the yoke that I've called you to. I'm going to read that again. We're going to read it from the Message Bible. It says, are you tired? (laughs) Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforth rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or heavy upon you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live light and freely. I love this thought. The greatest wonder of Christmas is that Christ came to earth and was placed in a wooden manger so that one day he could be placed on a wooden cross. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was slain from the foundations of the world. He went to the cross for you and for me to bear our burdens. So here's our new yoke. Our new yoke is a yoke of relationship. It's a yoke of companionship, and it's a yoke of responsibility. You say, well, what's my responsibility? See, here it comes. It becomes the great exchange. That is the invitation of heaven to all mankind. That you exchange your yoke. The son has been born unto you. The government's been placed on his shoulders, and he shall be called. It goes through the list of his names. I told you the burden bearer, which isn't listed there, but that's what he does in order to become the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so Jesus, the wonderful counselor, now comes to your life and my life, and you know what he says? Don't yoke yourself to the law. Don't yoke yourself to trying to reach God. Don't yoke yourself to ignoring the law. But yoke yourself to me, come into a relationship with me, and I will help you to live this life that is pleasing to God, that is beneficial to mankind, and beneficial to your life. And I will help you live it every day, and you'll grow brighter, and you'll grow freer. And the incredible thing is Jesus reaches us in the midst of our darkness. In the midst of the most broken places you can imagine, he says, I'm the picking you. (laughs) We say, me? Uh, But I'm so broken. I love it. Because you won't trust in yourself. You'll trust in me. Amen? But here's the issue. You can't pick, listen to me very carefully, because I felt this is the thing the Lord wanted me to share very clearly. You can't pick what you lay on the cross of Jesus Christ and what you keep. Because here's what happens is, I approach God because of his cross, amen? I approach God and in freedom and grace, I come and I lay my burden down on the cross of Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. I can't then say to you, you need to live up to the law, but I live up to grace, I can't take your sins against me. This is what I'm trying to get to. 
I can't take your sins against me and say, well, you know what, Jesus, judge him. Judge her. Because look at what she's done. Look at what they've done. They've really hurt me. And Jesus says that's not the deal. It's part of your responsibility. That you know the cross of Jesus Christ, church. The cross is actually big enough for all of your sins. And the cross is big enough for all the sins that have been committed against you. You have to lay them both at the cross. And I'm not saying that somebody hasn't hurt you or somebody hasn't said something that really wounded you. I'm telling you, you can't pick and choose which time you live under the law and which time you lend under grace. It's the deal. Jesus says, shift it all. Shift it all onto the cross. Amen? And so you and I need to understand you can't yoke yourself to grace and mercy of God and yoke others to judgment. You can't. <laughs> I, I believe this with all of my heart. Someone in the hearing of my voice needs to bring themselves and to the burden bearer and needs to bring the sins that have been done against you to Jesus Christ. You can't bear them on your own. And you can't keep living in the law. You can't keep judging people with that law stick. You need to judge them with the grace stick. Amen? And the grace stick says, turn it over to me. Trust me. Hallelujah. You see, deep unforgiveness needs to be laid at the cross. And I'm not saying it's easy. Jesus understands it's not easy. Guys, I can tell you there's so many times when I have to go to the cross because of things that people have said to me or people have done to me or done to my family or said about my family. Like just all of us. This is, you know, I'm, telling, I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> and, and there's no way around it. You know, every time I look, every time I, I look and every time I say, God, judge them. God, deal with them. You know what he takes me to? He constantly takes me to the cross. And he says, I have judged it. Now leave it there. And the Bible says, I, you know, you may have to pray. How many times do I need to forgive them, Lord, because they're really stupid? The stuff they put on Facebook, God, makes me so angry. He says, stop looking at Facebook. <laughs> Unfriend them. There's more to that statement I just made. You don't have to keep getting hurt, is what I'm trying to tell you. You don't position yourself to so you continually be hurt by that person. If you're in an abusive situation, get out. I'm not telling you, oh, I have to forgive you, Pastor. No, get out. Forgive them from a distance. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. But listen to what 1 John says, chapter 2. Anyone who says, I'm in the light, while holding hatred in his heart toward a fellow believer, is still in darkness. Church, here's the question for us all today. Is the cross of Jesus Christ big enough to take all your burden and all your sins 
and all the sins and burdens that others have laid on you, can you shift it to Jesus now? Because, you know, when you're yoked with him, the Bible talks about that yoke that Jesus invites us into is like a yoke of oxen. And how many of you know they can adjust a yoke so that the stronger animal can take the greater burden? Do you know Jesus takes 99.99% of my yoke? And I only bear 1.1%. And sometimes that 0.1%, I'm like, Jesus, can you take a little bit more? And he says, sure, shift a little bit more onto me. <laughs> but you have to shift it. Because you're yoked to Jesus. You're not unyoked when you come on off the yoke of the law. You're now yoked to Christ. And this is the invitation. Hallelujah. The greatest gift we can experience today is finding the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiving ourselves. The gift of forgiving others who have sinned against us. Amen? Well, let's close in prayer. And I'll ask Lorraine, or whoever's on the key, sorry, I think it's Andrea, come on. And we're just going to play and pray. And if you're watching online, please, please shift the yoke. Shift the burden onto Christ. Don't bear it yourself. Don't live in judgment of the law. Live in the freedom of the cross. Jesus paid the price for sins that you've committed and the sins that have been committed against you. If you need to call someone, if you need to forgive someone, maybe they're already dead and gone, you can still forgive them. You don't have to carry that burden, amen? Today is the day of salvation for many people here. And for us as believers, it's time to live in the light and to lovingly forgive our brothers and sisters where they have sinned against us so that we can live in the freedom but let's bow our heads in prayer. And if you're at home, you can pray along with us. And I'm going to give a couple invitations right now. If you are here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I, I need to get right with God. And I need to give him my, my sin. I need to just lay my sins down. And I've been, I've been so angry at myself and feeling like I'm trying to live up to some standard I can't live up to. And I feel like I'm trapped in a pit. I feel like I'm in a prison. I feel like, I, I, Lord, I've been plundered. And if that is you here today and you're trying to live up to a law that you cannot possibly live up to, it's time to shift that burden onto Christ and be yoked to Jesus Christ in a new and a fresh way. I'm speaking to believers here right now. If that is you and you're saying, I, I need that, Father. I need your grace, Lord Jesus. I want you to raise your hand to heaven and say, Father, that's me. Yes, many hands. Many hands. No more stick to beat you. There's no more measuring other people. There's no more measuring yourselves with the law. It's coming to Jesus Christ, confessing your sin, and saying, Lord, help me to live with you and walk with you in the unforced rhythms of your grace, Lord. For you are good. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I have carried a burden of hatred and anger and unforgiveness towards somebody. Maybe it's a church leader. Maybe it's a partner that is no longer a partner. Maybe it's just some member of the body of Christ or another person, maybe a work. It doesn't matter. The cross 
is where Christ is calling you now. But you need to put it there. And you put it there by confessing that thing before the Lord. And so right now in the privacy of your chair or at home, if that is you, just I want you to lay that burden down. The burden bearer is here right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity of faith, those that are gathered here and those at home. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm thinking about somebody that I need to lay down right now. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. My challenge to you is that when you get up in the morning, it's still the cross that Jesus takes you to. And sometimes I have to visit the cross five times a day. And I walk away with Jesus every time. It's not that he leaves me ever, but he often takes me to the foot of the cross and says, Greg, would you lay that down? Greg, you're really thinking about this. Greg, you're really mad. You're really hurt, but there's a better, there's a better burden you can carry. There's a better yoke. <laughs> Amen, church? If that is you here today, just lay it at the cross. And you may have to pray for that person. You don't really want to get frustrated. Every time you get angry at them, pray for them. Oh my goodness, you want to frustrate the devil? Every time that person comes up and you're spitting vinegar, you just start saying, God bless them. And even if you've got to say it through gritted teeth, eventually it'll become real. <laughs> Amen? That's why we've got to go back to the cross 70 times, 7 times and bring forgiveness. Hallelujah. Doesn't it feel good to be washed in the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. The burden bearer has come to bear our burdens. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people. May you cause your face to shine upon them. May you cause your grace to abound to them, Lord. May you cause your peace to overwhelm them, Father God. And may you remind them every moment of every day that they are united to Christ. They have shifted the burden onto your shoulders and now have taken up a yoke of relationship, a yoke of love, a yoke of mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, go in the grace and the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to just leave you with one last thought. Invite your friends to Christmas Eve. I am so burdened right now with evangelism. We need to share the good news, church, that the burden of the law has been broken <laughs> and that there is a new hope and a light that is shining. So I want to see those five services packed out. And if we got to go to seven, we'll go to seven. It doesn't matter. Families can gather in groups of 60, 70, so this is what we're trying to do. Are you following me? To get the message out. And I promise you I will preach a very evangelistic, beautiful Christmas message that helps people find their way home to the Father. So go in the peace of God. Pray for your unsaved loved ones. 
pray for those people and invite them to watch online or to come to the Christmas Eve service. Next week, I'm preaching out of Isaiah 40. Oh my goodness, you don't want to miss it. I'm waking up at five in the morning writing my sermon. It's so fun. Not really, but it, okay, God, I will. Go in the peace of God. Go be blessed. Grab a coffee.